Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and in today's episode, I'm really honored to welcome Umokulto Mbakari. She is a doctorate candidate in sports physical therapy at the University of Witzwaterstrand in Africa in South Africa. Her research is focused on women's football and injury prevention. She is a founding member of the Nigerian Sports Physiotherapy Association and is active in disseminating the FIFA 11 Plus Injury Prevention Program in her native country and across Africa. Her passion has centered around the sports of football, basketball, and para-athletes and injury prevention. She received her Bachelor of Physical Therapy and her Master of Physical Therapy from the College of Medicine University of Ibadan in Nigeria. Umokultum has worked as a physical therapist since 2001 and has won several awards for her service locally, regionally, and internationally. She is a member of the Medical and Scientific Commission of the Nigeria Olympic Committee and an associate editor for the British Journal of Sports Medicine. So in this episode, we give you all a sneak peek of what she is going to be speaking on as one of the guest speakers at the 4th World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy, which is taking place August 26th to the 22nd, 2022 in Nyborg, Denmark. If you want more information on the WCSPT conference, head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. Click on the link in the show notes under this episode. If you can, I highly suggest signing up and joining us in August in Denmark. So Umo Kultum is just one of many speakers that we're going to be highlighting over the next couple of months. Um, we have a great conversation today about the Unbreakable Young World Athlete, which she will be speaking about in Nyberg. So everyone enjoy today's episode and be on the lookout for more speakers coming up in the next couple of months. Hey, KT, welcome to the podcast. I'm really happy to have you on. It's lovely to be here, Karen. Um, thanks for having me. Yes. And like I said in the intro, gosh, you are a real rock star in the physiotherapy world. So you are a founding member of the Nigerian Sports Physiotherapy Association. You are a member of the Medical and Scientific Commission of the Nigerian Olympic Committee and an assistant editor for the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And so that leads me to my first question is how important do you feel these uh, associations are for the profession? Um, thank you, Karen. It is really very important, uh, especially from my side of the, uh, of the continent where we have very limited resources and it's always a good opportunity to connect uh, with other colleagues from around the world. Uh, when we first started the um, the Nigerian Sports Physiotherapy Association were just a handful of people uh, who you know, came together to say, look, if we did start an association like this, it would help us um, be able to connect with other colleagues and associate with other associations from around the world. And then we connected with IFSPT, which also had given us 
a lot of opportunity to, to connect with the rest of the sports PT world globally. And that has kind of enriched us over the years. And I'm happy to say that Nigeria is also the first African country to be affiliated with IFSPT. And we still have a great relationship till today. And I'm also actually, I think the first African on the IFSPT board, the executive board. I was um, elected in 2019 in the last Congress in Canada. For the Nigerian Olympic Committee, um, that took a lot of work because it's actually by appointment. And over time, it had only just been physicians. There hasn't been any room for physios to get on board. But I think for somehow, I just kept, well, with the National Society, I mean, the, the Nigerian Society of Physiotherapy, I just kept pushing to get some visibility for physios, get us to get, I mean, get the Olympic Committee to also organize specialized trainings for physios and all of that. And I was doing all this work. Uh, making sure that where there were conferences happening, I wanted them to, you know, support people to attend and all that. And a former vice president of the Olympic Committee now said, look, I think you'll bring a lot on board. Um, and I'd like to nominate you to be on the, on the medical commission. And I was like, okay. And um, when I got in, I was the only female and I was the only physio. But I, I'm glad that with time, a lot of things have changed because one of the key things I'm passionate about is to give room to allow upcoming and early career um, sports medicine stakeholders, be it physio, psychologists, you know, doctors, physicians, but give room for the younger ones to be supported and you know, have access to all the IOC courses and things like that. So I, it's been, it's not been an easy journey, but I think you can change a lot more from the inside than the outside. And that's, that's uh, why I took on the assignment. And so far, so good. It's, it's worked out, you know, yeah. it's slow, but it, at least it has worked out a bit. Yeah, amazing. And I was going to, my next question was going to be, what, what has it been like for you to kind of be the first to have a seat at the table, right? The first woman, which I'm not surprised, and the first physio to kind of have that seat at the table. What has that been like for you and what lessons have you learned? Um, to be honest, it was not a really easy um, thing to do, especially when you are in the middle of about, you know, 12 other people who, and you probably also are the youngest. Let me add that even though I don't consider myself young per se, but in that pool, I was the youngest. So, but I think luckily I, what sort of helped me was that I spoke with the chairman and I told him, look, this is, this is the ideas that I have. And I feel like, I know there's a lot of work that needs to go on behind the scenes. I'm happy to do all the heavy lifting of writing and all that, but we need to push for more things to achieve our mandate. And he was very happy with that. And later, a lot, of, a lot of the other board members just felt like, okay, it looks like we have somebody who's willing to do all this heavy lifting with you know, writing proposals and stuff. And we just kind of make things work. And somehow they just realized that I wasn't really doing it for any self, for myself, as it were. I was trying to get us to have a better, a wider ecosystem for uh, sports medicine resource, be it physios, doctors, 
you know, psychologists, pharmacists, nutritionists, and stuff like that. And so far, so good. We've ha- we have quite a, a sizable number of young, early career people coming on board. A lot more people are now interested in sports physio and all that. And which is because before now, nobody really wanted to do sports physio. They felt like, you know, you're you're never going to be rich. Like you're always just, the government is always owing you money. And so why are you a physio per se? But then I tell them that, look, passion will drive you. It is just a calling. And you really need to understand that working in, a, in, any, other prof- in any other specialty of physio, it's quite rewarding as a sports physio as well, if, you, if you're driven by the right um, circumstances. So, yeah, it's not going to be easy because after time, you'll find yourself like a fish out of water, especially being a female, um, where you're working in multi-sport settings and you have to work with male teams and all of that. You have to hold your own, uh, but it's, it is rewarding. And um, yeah, so. Yeah, and it sounds to me like to some- encourage my students. Yeah, some big lessons there are one, being willing yes. to put in the work and two, yes. opening the door so you can help bring other people in. It's not opening yes. the door for yourself and closing it on everyone behind you. No, no, because there, there definitely has to be a transitional plan. What is the sustainability of whatever you're doing? Because at the end of the day, your time is going to come and go. So who are the people that you've empowered to continue that journey, the vision, and to be able to achieve, um, you know, the end goal of making sure that there is that continuity and that you have, you know, so they pay forward and they continue to pay forward until, you know, for as long as, as, as is needed. And we w- would have a big pool of sports physios because I, I can tell you that Nigeria is over 200 million people and maybe about 10 million are actively involved in sports uh, at a competitive level and we still don't have enough physios to cater for that number Um, so there's still a lot of work to be done and I can do it alone it's a collective team effort yeah I mean you have to increase the capacity exactly right so that that all of these 10 million people, which is a huge number of people, cannot be That's seen just by an a, estimate. Even. And, and exactly. it, it could be more, right? Definitely. Yeah. So obviously you don't have the capacity for all of that. So if you can no. open that door and bring in a lot of like enthusiastic, like you said, physios, physicians, psychologists, yes. Yes. nutritionists to help yes. continue to build up the capacity of a sports medicine yeah. program across the country, you'll be able to reach more people. Yes. Exactly. And that's what it's yeah. all about. And now yes. let's talk about your research. So you've got this passion yes. of building up uh, the capacity for sports medicine in Nigeria. Let's talk about your research, which I know you're also passionate about. So yes. I'll hand it over to you. <laughs> okay, so I'm currently working in women's football. I mean, it is what it is because women really don't get much attention for anything, even in football and for research specifically as well. But as we all know that the... Um, the increase in projections of the numbers of registered football players has skyrocketed by the participation of women in football. 
And we know that for women's, for women, we are more or less, we have certain, um, uh, certain factors that put us at higher risk of injuries. We know football has its burden of, you know, contact injuries and all that, but you can reduce the injury rates of non-contact injuries. Now, because women are higher, uh, in a, we're in a population where we're at higher risk due to biomechanical factors, biological factors as a result of hormones and stuff, biological and um, biomechanical because of, you know, pelvic hip ratio, you know, being at higher risk of ACLs. So you want to be able to minimize that risk. And how to do that is to actively engage in injury prevention. So trying to bridge the gaps, especially in the low resource setting where we don't really have much human resources, infrastructure and all of that. And people still want to play football. So my research is trying to bridge the gap with the population of women playing football and the use of an evidence-based comprehensive warm-up program, which is the FIFA 11 plus. It is a basic injury prevention program, but it works. But it's not gonna work if people don't know about it and are compliant with using it. So it's trying to find out what are the challenges in the setting and how can we mitigate these challenges to be able to improve compliance and adherence and be able to achieve injury prevention goals. Because even on the global scale, compliance and adherence is a big issue with anything. So, and since we all also know that we have to always tailor things to the broad ecological context of whatever we're doing, it's not one size fits all because you have to figure out what are the things that can work in this setting? How can we adapt? How can we adjust certain things and whose responsibility it is, who's going to take the leadership of the injury prevention philosophy, how are those behavioral changes going to affect things. So this is this is the research that I, I was working on or I'm concluding at the moment. And I, I'm really excited because now I think FIFA also is doing, trying to do a lot of stuff for women's football. So hopefully that can help, you know, in the next five years, we'll see women's football going to a different level than we are right now. Yeah. And, you know, I, as you're talking about that and talking about the resources or lack thereof, it really makes yes. me think I'm in New York City. I'm in the United States where we have an abundance yeah. of resources and people mm -hmm. still don't comply with injury prevention programs. Right. And yeah. so I can't imagine yeah. being in a part of the world where you don't have the, the manpower, the, yeah. and all of the things that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. In order to make these programs stick. Exactly. So this is what, one of the things that I found out is uh, along the course of my research is that coaches need to understand that they can be empowered to take charge. Rather than coach to see me as a medical person, like trying to take over their job. I'm not trying to take over your job. I'm only trying to help the team so that you can have more players available for selection and the team can do better because at the end of the day, you, it's inversely proportional. The less injuries in the team, the more the team you know, can, can, can progress and, and be successful. So at the end of the day, I think the messaging also matters. The messaging about 
okay, coach, if you do this, you're going to have more players available for selection. And when you do have more players available for selection, then your team has a better potential to fight for the title, to get to win a trophy. And when that happens, you get a bonus or something in your pocket. And it it all everybody sort of it's a win-win situation. When your players still are injury-free, they have longer career, career longevity, and so many other things. So the reasoning begins to change. You know, it begins to change. And at the end of the day, and then another thing I, I, I say to them is that look, you don't have to think of injury prevention as this thing that is separate. It needs to be integrated. And there is now flexibility to adapt and just integrate. It will still work. The most important thing is that you are committing at least twice a week for these exercises to be done. And you will see the, the difference that it brings to your team. Yeah, it's all about incentives, right? How can you incentives, how can you meet yeah. the people where they're at with the incentives they need? And like you exactly. said, it's all about the messaging. Yes. So okay. That way. The, the mindset changes. Right. And that kind of takes us into, I think, what you're going to be speaking about at the Fourth World Congress of Sports Physiotherapy, which takes place August 26th and 27th of this year in Nyborg, Denmark. And that is uh, the Unbreakable Young World Athlete. So talk to us a little bit about that and a little bit about your presentation. I mean, don't give it all away, of course. You know, we want people to come and see you live. So we're not giving exactly, it all away. But we, can, we can dangle some highlights out there. <laughs> okay. So the first thing is, I think that right now, everybody knows the potential of sports. So everybody wants to start young. Now, the pressure there on the young athlete is to begin to perform at a professional level at a young age. And that impacts a lot of things in terms of, because you know the type of dedication that you need to, to perfect whatever sport that you're doing. And you know many parents and guidance, everybody wants, oh, I want my child to be Cristiano Ronaldo. I want my child to be Messi. Now the pressure is much on these kids. And one of the biggest challenges that then these, the burden of having to deal with that kind of pressure, whether physically, psychologically, and every other thing that makes up these young athletes would really be a huge load for a young athlete to bear. How can we balance that? Now, I will be talking from the perspective of low resource, where I'm coming from. A lot of, many people um, in the developed countries, they have a lot of support for young athletes. Uh, be it nutrition-wise, psychology, and so many other things that you, we don't have the luxury of that. And many a times, um, the kids who just want to play, like they don't want to do anything serious or anything like that, but there is still the pressure and demand on them to excel because people see that if, you, if you're a good sports person, or you're able to make a break in either football or basketball, which is one of the top spots in Nigeria, then we can change our economic situation. And that helps us out of poverty and all this kind of, and all this type of thing. So I'm just gonna be talking from that perspective of, of low resource and how the young athletes, um, as much as we want to encourage sports participation, but there has to be that striking balance 
to be, enable them to succeed. That's a lot of pressure on a young kid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I'm definitely looking forward to that talk um, in Nyborg. Um, is there anything else that you're working on projects moving forward, anything you're looking forward to in the future, whether it's future research, speaking gigs, getting more involved in, in the profession as a whole, what do you have coming up? Okay, so I'm, trying, I'm rounding up my uh, doctorate uh, right now. So hopefully I can get a postdoc position as well to continue to work in women's football. Um, that is what I'm hoping for the next maybe six months, thereabout. But other projects that I'm passionate about involves para-athletes. I'm very, very passionate about working with para-athletes because also they too, they're like a minority um, uh, group, but I see that they are really the superhumans, you know, with everything and with the limited resources and all, everything you can think of. They still strive very hard. And when they get on, on the world stage, they are the ones who put Nigeria on the, on, the, on the map for medals. Because I was with the team in 2016 in Rio and um, we won eight gold medals, set new eight world records. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, there's a lot more that I, I want to learn and um, um, I'm also trying to do some technical courses in para, um, uh, there's something called classification for para-athletes, where it's like you're trying to make sure that all the athletes are classed in the, in the desired classes that they can compete on a level playing ground. So apart from the technical officials, they also need the medical people to come and do all the assessments of you know, movement, muscle, power, and all those things, just to be sure that, okay, we have classed these athletes properly and they can compete without having undue advantage over the other colleagues in a similar category. So, yeah, so I think that's really the next thing that I want to do. Sounds amazing. Because I have this, some of my students trying to move on to post-grad, so I'll just provide them some of my own, share some of my own experience, support them, along the way as well. And so that's, that's what I think I'll do. Amazing. Well, it sounds like you have a busy time coming up and doing <laughs> really, really great work. So congratulations on all of that. Thank and you. now where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? They have questions, they have thoughts, where can they find you? Okay. So um, you can find me on social media, obviously on Twitter. It's at cool Boulevard. And it's also the same handle on Instagram at Cool Boulevard. So, and that's cool with a K, correct? Yes, K with the K. Yes. Yeah, cool yeah, and and yeah. we'll have all of that information and links directly to all of your social media in the show notes okay. uh, for this okay. podcast, so people won't have to search too far. Um, and now, as we wrap <laughs> yes. things up, one last question that I ask everyone: It's yes. knowing where you are now in your life and career. What advice would you give to your younger self? Um, nothing is impossible. If you dream it, you can do it. So just surround, surround yourself with people who will always find your flames. People will always ginger you to keep going. And, and I think, you know, the sky isn't the limit anymore. You can keep going. So 
that I'll give to my younger self. Excellent advice. And just if people want to see KT speak in person, uh, like I said a little bit earlier, she will be speaking at the Fourth World Congress of Sports Physical Therapy, August 26th to the 27th of this year, 2022 in Nyborg, Denmark. So again, we'll have a link for that as well. So you can go on and take a look at the whole program and sign up and come to Denmark in the summer, which I'm assuming is going to be great. I've never, I've only been there in February when it's pretty chilly and snowy and rainy. So I'm excited for, I'm excited to go and I'm excited to meet you in person. I have never been to Denmark. This will be my first time. So yes, I am looking forward to meeting you and the rest of the delegates from around the world. Yeah, it's going to be great. So uh, KT, thank you so much for taking the time out and coming on today and talking about all the great work you're doing. We are all inspired. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me and uh, looking forward to see you soon. Yeah. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.